0: Welcome to the Bipod, a podcast about all things bisexual. We cover topics like bisexual representation, our own experiences, and queer culture. I'm Chelsea, and my pronouns are they and them.
1: I'm Christina, and my pronouns are she and her. We define bisexuality as experiencing attraction to people who share your gender identity and to those who don't.
0: We welcome anyone who has any kind of relationship with or curiosity about queerness. For more info about the show, you can visit thebipod.com or find us on Instagram at thebipod.
1: We don't know everything at all. This podcast is one piece of the long history of bisexual and queer discourse. We're here to be part of the conversation. Let's get into it. welcome hey, yeah. tj
2: there <laughs> <laughs> are three of us today <laughs>
1: yeah yeah. whenever people like podcasts have that like minute or two in the beginning where they just act like their guest isn't there i think it's funny but then i'm also like imagine just sitting in like a call not being able to talk you can talk
0: it's possible they yeah. like cut that person like they might record it at a different time
1: that's true not us a peek behind the curtain we're all here
3: <laughs> <laughs> you know, I enjoy it. I'm, I'm a good listener. <laughs> Apparently not, though, I talked immediately. <laughs> uh, well, yeah, welcome,
1: TJ. Um, do you want to tell our listeners a little bit about yourself?
3: Yeah, sure. Uh, I'm TJ. I am in college, and uh, my pronouns are they, them, or he, him. Uh, I, I generally consider myself a photographer, but I am studying performing arts. Um, and that's kind of vaguely how we know each other through mutual friends in the arts.
1: Yeah. Uh, the first time that I um, saw you in person, you were performing in, uh, in the Heights.
3: Oh, wow. That's such a strong introduction to me. I know. I, feel like- <laughs> I
1: was like, wow, who is this person?
3: <laughs> 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 i was sure one of my better moments. It was, um, it was great. Thank you. <laughs> Much appreciated. Yeah,
1: we're so yeah. excited to have you um so we can maybe just um jump in because this is a topic that um chelsea and i have both talked about on the podcast before um but you Mm -hmm. happen to be a bi guy dating a bi guy congratulations you You won the award (laughs)
3: you know it really feels like an award Uh, i went most of my life without relationships so i was like i did it yeah (laughs) (laughs) we got there um yeah i am bi and my partner is also by um and i'm a guy because i'm like non-binary trans mask and he's a guy because he's cis mostly by convenience is mm-hmm. how he best describes it um <laughs> and yeah no that was that's, that's been very interesting um i think that you know being somebody who is non-binary and trans i used to think like, kind of like oh like yeah meh, dating bisexuals is maybe the safest way to go for me because <laughs> like then i don't have to worry about if I'm a guy or a girl to them like I can just ignore it Mm -hmm. um but I think it ended up being more of a topic of conversation introspection than I thought it would um because I think that it's important you know when you love anyone whether it's a friend or a romantic partner or a sexual partner you want to see them in the way they want to be seen Mm. um and I think that as I sort of figured out my gender identity and this person was sort of along for the ride as much as I had like kind of gotten a sense of it earlier. Um, it's, mm, I'm trying to find the right way to say this. It's not as simple as like, oh, well you like anything, right? Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah, sexual experience isn't kind of like this monolith. Um, yeah. And so making sure that their experiences with, you know, attraction, didn't deny me my experiences with my identity was really important um conversations about what someone likes about me and why uh were important conversations to have and um i don't know it came to a lot of good and affirming conclusions for me but i think it was just a little bit more complex than i expected and i think that's a good thing because Mm -hmm. it makes me feel like there was a lot of intention brought into my relationship as far as respect for my gender and how that interacts with both of our experiences with attraction. Um, and uh, you know can update I'm very attracted to each other. pretty cool. <laughs> 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 Nothing wrong there. But it's nice in comparison to experiences I've had when I would flirt with people, and if I didn't know they were straight or if they were gay or if they were bi, um, and I'd have to flirt with them and appeal in a way where I'm playing up something more feminine or if I'm Mm -hmm. playing up something more masculine or whether or not I'm leaning one way or the other that day, what are they seeing in me? Like if a quote-unquote straight girl is attracted to me who has not started testosterone and doesn't have top surgery but also generally has an androgynous demeanor and fashion are they seeing me like oh i'm attracted to you i'm gay but i'm also kind of a man so that's it's interesting um yeah i don't know if you want me to talk in any specific direction about this but those are just some thoughts
0: we're like one minute into the podcast and i'm already like in my feelings yeah. so
3: it's gonna be like this is going to be good, I can tell. Have y'all had, like, I don't know, maybe similar experiences or something sort of aligned with that conversation? Um,
0: Yes and no in that, like, my – I've been single for quite a few years now. And so, like, the end of my last relationship was sort of really when my – um thoughtful exploration of my gender sort of started uh and so i guess i had like the dynamics of is this person perceiving me in the way i want to be perceived were happening but i didn't necessarily have like language for that Mm -hmm. or like an understanding of like why that was um especially important to me um and it's for sure something that I feel like nervous about when it comes Mm -hmm. to thinking about dating and what does that mean? What will that look like? um, And also how, how much capacity do I have to like navigate someone else's, um, someone else's experience of gender as it relates to my gender, if that Mm -hmm. makes sense. Like, Yeah.
3: Yeah, it's a scary thing. I think like there was a moment much earlier in our relationship where I had, um, (laughs) because of how we behave with each other, there was a period of time where I started joking about how although we were like a gay masculine relationship, we behaved kind of like sapphics. Um, Like, Oh my God, it's so funny we're lesbians. And I made that joke over and over again until I was like, wait, like, you know, when the Pokemon hurts itself in its own confusion. I was like... (laughs) I'm a man and then I was like what if his gen- what if he is a lesbian
2: <laughs> <laughs> and I was
3: like oh. uh, you know again one of those things that like you uh, sits and spirals in your head for no reason and then the answer is always to just communicate and maybe ask and then the person is like no I'm not a lesbian I I like you and you are a man so I'm like <laughs> right it, it ends up being fairly simple but it's it's interesting when you have these parts of the conversation where it's like I am a person with a chest right like if my partner likes my chest um does that mean they are still seeing me as a man and the answer is yes uh sh- short version is yes mm-hmm. but that's something i really have to like contend with and like understand um, or at least like communicate about because even if i hope so i think having it communicated and affirmed is integral to being in a longer term relationship with me i think it's something that kept me out of relationships with other people, whether I realized it or not. Um, I would become uncomfortable very quickly. I think if I realized somebody was, even if they were using my pronouns, if they were trying to fit me into one box or another, I, mm-hmm. uh, I just kind of be like, oh, <laughs> oh no. To be fair, nobody was like really hitting on me, so this wasn't like. Common to me. <laughs> so the once or twice it happened, I, I was able to tell pretty quickly and a lot of people I flirted with um on tinder like because I still follow them on instagram not because I'm like paying attention but I just never unfollowed them Mm -hmm. um in the years following they would come out as non-binary and I'd be like ah (laughs) (laughs) I see (laughs) yeah
1: that's so interesting because I feel like um there is like an intersection where like you are having an experience of your body and you are like. working through a relationship with your body and particular parts of your body. Um, and then also navigating that like someone else is also doing that. Um, and like, where do those things match up and where do they maybe not? And like, how do you talk about it? So that's very valuable to be thinking about. Um, I believe that you have um, a, an anecdote about going on a date with a lesbian. Uh-
2: <laughs>
3: Yes, I feel bad because I always refer to her as like the one lesbian I went on a date with when it's like I've gone on maybe before Danny two dates in my entire life. So, like, <laughs> she just happened to be one of them. And I remember we were, um, I think, on the car ride uh, back home from the veggie grill because I didn't drive and also I was a veggie grill. Um. <laughs> <laughs> and she, um, I was joking about something. Um, I don't remember what I had to do with but like something about like me having a dick and she was like laughing and was like <laughs> like I wouldn't be with you if like you had a dick and then something and I'm still using they them pronouns at this point like I wasn't trans necessarily I was like I'm trans but like you know, <laughs> know fun uh, gender fluid person which I am like gender mm-hmm. is still fluid but I think that now it's more about like me being trans masculine is possible because of the decolonization of gender in my head
2: mm-hmm. like I'm
3: not a man in the way that a cis man is a man. Mm. I'm a man because telling you I'm a man gives you the best insight into what I want my experience to be on a first glance. Mm. And then otherwise, gender's kind of like, I'm like, we, we're we done with this thing. <laughs> we don't really need it anymore. Um, but if you have to play with it, because sometimes you do, um, I find that saying I'm trans masked uh, or saying that I use he, they pronouns gives people the best insight into who I am. And, oh, okay, so I'm gonna finish the lesbian story, but then this reminds me of something else. <laughs> Um, I have so much ADHD, uh, (laughs) but the point was when she said that, even though we were joking and like, we continued to talk for a bit after that, I think it clicked something in my head where I was like, it cannot, I cannot be in a circumstance where my genitals are important to my partner, Mm -hmm. which is a really hard thing to have if you are being intimate with someone like, um, whether or not they're attracted to only, well, again, this gets into like much bigger questions about what is not isn't transphobic about preferences and like the idea of who you'd pursue anyway. But on a more just individual and personal level, if you have somebody who's like who's seeing you, you know, really seeing you, um, I realize that for me, their attraction to me cannot be based on just that. Um, mm-hmm. or it cannot be a requirement. Like it can be involved, but if somebody says something to me like, I only like you because you have these genitals, it kind of makes me feel like they haven't decolonized gender enough in their heads to interact with me in a way that is truthful.
2: Mm. Um yeah, and because they're not you, don't... you.
3: Yeah, like if you're not open to that yet, because even if you identify as a lesbian and also this was years ago before I think more conversations about trans people were involved in the community as often as they are now. Um like I understand some sorts of like repulsions to certain body parts because of Just, like, what you like or don't like and negative experiences and whatnot. Not that those are the same thing. those are all separate things. Um, But, like, what if I wanted a phalloplasty one day? Or what if I wanted, you know, to identify with just emotionally the concept of different genitals, which is kind of common with the trans experience. Mm -hmm.
2: Um, I just, I
3: need, I need more. And I think that everybody needs more. I don't think that's a just trans person thing. But I think it became so clear to me that I was not built for that scenario. Um, mm.
2: Yeah. And then do you
3: have any comments before I'm going to jump into No, you look really
1: stuff. excited about this next idea. Oh,
3: was so funny. <laughs> I was really hoping you'd ask a question because I kind of forgot it. Um, <laughs> I mean, I have commentary that I can
0: offer if you need. <laughs> Thank <thinking. laughs> you. Okay. Um, that um while I haven't had like that specific experience that you described, I have had like moments like that. Um, on a dating app, I like matched with someone and I was looking or yeah, I think I, we must have matched. And then I was like looking at their profile again. Um, and she had said something in her profile about like being a lesbian. And my first reaction as someone with like um some like, Queer uh, imposter syndrome that I'm always navigating was like, well, if a lesbian is interested, I'm definitely queer. Like I've done it, I'm <laughs> we're good. And so first I was like, yes, and then I was like, wait, if she's a lesbian and I'm non-binary, like, what does that mean? I think I even texted Christina about it, and Christina was sort of like, well, you know, she could have all kinds of like, def- like w- we don't know what lesbian means to her. And I was like, yeah, but I need to know before <laughs> I like. It was uh, it was like a a weird moment that I wasn't prepared for uh, to first be like oh great this is a good sign and then be like wait is this a bad like what what does this mean about my gender Uh, and I have another I have a good friend who is non-binary and uh, was assigned female at birth and we've talked about how they are like yeah I don't I just don't fuck with straight men because like. I don't want to deal with their like how what is how do they feel about their straightness if they're like with me a non-binary person and Mm -hmm. like their experience of gender and I don't want to reassure them that they're still straight because like perhaps you're not (laughs) like uh gender is complicated
3: yeah Yeah. a specific genre of quote-unquote straight man that is just like dying for they them pussy you know what I mean a new breed of
2: chaser (laughs)
1: that's so true yeah major red flag when anybody is like extremely invested in their straightness like mm-hmm. it's fine i th- i'm gonna say something controversial i guess people can be it's straight. fine to be yeah. straight if that's what you are cool 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 <laughs> fine um but to like i don't know to have to hold on to that identity like at the expense of other people's identity um that like doesn't make sense to
3: me i guess I started laughing because I remembered that um, for the first, like, six months of me knowing my partner, I thought he was straight. And that was part of why I was, like, not flirting with him. (laughs) Um, (laughs) I was like, no, not another straight man. We can't be doing this. Sure, it's fun. The banter is good. But not again. (laughs) And I think that's part of why I started using he, they pronouns. Um, And this is what I had forgotten earlier. Uh, I think... I only started using he, they pronouns when I entered into this relationship, and it started with when he started calling me his boyfriend, or we talked about him calling me his boyfriend. I really liked pairing the he pronoun in with the boyfriend.
2: Mm-hmm. Um,
3: just in a sentence, it sounded nice in my ears, and so I would do it in reference to myself all the time, and eventually he asked me, I was like, do you want me to like sprinkle in a he, him pronoun here and there? And I was like, yeah, 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 for sure, for sure. Mm-hmm. Um, And it really started to settle, I think, because having somebody who sees you and acknowledges you for who you are allows you to really kind of play with the rest of it. Mm. And the words still mattering. I I tried using he they pronouns in the past and I really didn't like it. It felt like another box I didn't want to be in. But I was finally in a relationship where the he him pronoun like asserted my queerness um, in a way that like you can't use he him pronouns for me and consider me a woman, you know. Mm. And Mm -hmm. to be fair, they shouldn't be doing that with they, them pronouns. Nobody should, but I feel like it happens. But it Mm -hmm. gave me a lot of comfort in terms of affirmation on my identity. It's the reason that before I was like, partner is the best word. Screw gender. But now I'm like, boyfriend is really like a a sprinkle of affirmation whenever I need Mm -hmm. it. And um, I think, and this gets a little bit into internet culture. I found that as they, them pronouns became more common, especially over quarantine, I think a lot of people explored gender. In the privacy of their own homes mm-hmm. and i think that's a good and amazing thing unfortunately part of it becoming part of the like main cultural zeitgeist, zeitgeist was this sort of image of the white afab skinny person who uses they them pronouns and i'm not that <laughs> i'm never going to be that i won't identify with that and people started to view they them as sort of like a girl light and mm-hmm. i think that that is you know, That is society's problem. That wasn't the issue of anybody using they, them pronouns. But the adding he to my pronoun set really helped me differentiate myself from that. And I think it has shown me more than anything that my pronouns and my gender identity are so much less about my feeling similar to an experience and so Mm -hmm. much more about me wanting to be separate from this binary Mm -hmm. or even the string of fluid things. I just want to be entirely removed from it. And whatever words I can use to make people split me apart from what they've learned in tradition in their head is going to give me the strongest entryway to just be myself. Mm. Mm. I'm going
1: to go back and re listen to that like <laughs> a few times.
3: <laughs> yeah. Um.
0: Wow. Sorry, I'm just having an epiphany over here. <laughs> <laughs> it's very
2: interesting. TJ, you're so smart.
3: So smart. <laughs> Like, don't worry i'm dumb in other areas <laughs> if i'm in a kitchen i have no idea what's going on a few days ago i was trying to make pasta and i had to look at my roommates and i looked at them and they were like well what's wrong and i said, I said everything's fine <laughs> um and then he looked at what i was doing and said three quarters like looking at the pot i was holding with tap water just like, <laughs> like i know this i know i know this <laughs> um I didn't got it. Uh, I was supported and helped by the people in my life. Thank you.
1: (laughs) (laughs) Ah, So funny. Um, Well, speaking of um, the internet culture, um, by my standards, you are TikTok famous. Um, I referenced you, uh, like, a a theme of the first season of the Bipod was Chelsea and I being, like, queer elders trying to figure out TikTok and, like, talking about how it seemed like there was this trend of – the TikTok algorithm like being so piercingly precise that people were like, oh, I just got a bunch of bisexual content and I realized I'm bisexual. And we like talked yeah. about uh, how that's cool. Any way that you get to queerness is great. But like also, what is it like? What do we do with that? Like, what does it mean to be, mm-hmm. um, I don't know, uh, targeted by an algorithm or like be diagnosed um, by TikTok? Yeah, <laughs> <laughs> exactly. Um yeah. And uh, I referenced you a couple times because I was like, I have a friend who's TikTok a top um, Yeah. And so I, I don't know if you maybe want to talk a little bit about like um, your how like your experience of wanting to divest from um, the binary and all of these things, like how that kind of intersects or doesn't with um, Internet culture and your experience being on the Web.
3: Absolutely. as far as TikTok goes, now I think it's so rancid. I took like a three month break from it and I've never been happier. Um downloaded the app finally. But um I think uh there was this beautiful arc of like getting on it, not understanding it. Um, having like one sort of viral video and then learning that that doesn't do anything for your consistent engagement because of how horribly addictive the algorithm is and how it just keeps giving you enough to make you come back and then reducing your views and engagement until you uh, overwork yourself producing content. So it's bad, right? It's Mm -hmm. bad. And then also for like privacy reasons, it's really bad. Um, But the good part I would say is that in quarantine, in a time when I really, really needed connection, It was able to connect me with people that I needed to be connected with at that time. Um, In my life, in my school, there aren't that many queer people. And if they are, a lot of them are white. A lot of them are cis. Uh, So it's like every time I would see a trans person, I would get so excited. And then if we didn't vibe perfectly, it would be like, ah. (laughs) Uh, And I think that's a lot of pressure. Mm -hmm. Just for how they identify to be like, I need you to be with me on this because we're the only ones. Mm -hmm. And that's hard. And then I logged into TikTok and I was, you know, algorithmically introduced to this really vibrant community of black, trans, and otherwise queer people. And um, I was able to befriend some of them. And, you know, to be fair for internet friendship, some of them are real. And some of them are kind of like when you do a play, like the false sense of intimacy. (laughs) (laughs) You're like, oh my god, it's my bestie. And it's like you followed each other three months ago because one of you thought the other was hot. And it's like, that's not... Not trust like you shouldn't yeah. trust that person and i'm aware of that now you know i've grown up a little bit in the time i've been on tiktok it's like i, I re-went through the tumblr scenario but it's not personal. you know like you see each other's faces it's not just reblogs it's all you and your content and you as a brand there's not a single piece of media on tiktok that is honest because it is all based around self-branding mm-hmm. to sit there and talk to a camera is inherently performative and I think the platform relies on it in a way that is even more performative than, like, something like us sitting here having a conversation. I think it is bent around and encouraged to be um, what is the word? Inflammatory? Inflammatory and um, humor as a as a means of <laughs> currency. Mm-hmm. I find that you know it doesn't matter if somebody's a really good activist. It matters if they're funny or hot when they say it. Um, and I say this as a person who gained a lot of confidence from that. I think that when some of my videos did get views, it was the first time in my life I really believed I was attractive, because I knew that it wouldn't work if I wasn't, which is a whole horrible mm-hmm. thing. Um, and I met a lot of people, and by met I mean like I got comments from people who I thought were attractive, who thought I was attractive, and that was thrilling in like a Tinder-esque way, except like I didn't need to do anything, you know. Um, and it was this very intense parasocial experience which i can say luckily i've made one or two very real friends from and um one of them is my lovely friend named kaden who uh, is still fairly popular on the platform um their username i think is slurpy princess or it might not be anymore it's a know great handle
2: treated,
3: <laughs> so good but i actually was a fan of theirs before we met through other like tiktok mutuals and um I liked a lot of what they were saying about gender online. And I remember when they took like their first hiatus, just like as a fan thinking like, wow, this person has said a lot of things that I identify with in a way that I've never identified with the trans people around me. And that's because they're a person of color and the things they were saying. um, Like one thing that really stuck with me before of your friends is they made a TikTok saying it doesn't matter. Like. If your boyfriend isn't homophobic, if his friends are, you shouldn't be dating him mm-hmm. because it's still not safe for your queer and person of color friends. If your partner, even if your partner's fine, if the people they surround themselves with aren't, it's indicative of a greater net of <laughs> people mm-hmm. who are not a safe space for your friends. And I was like, that's it. I've been sitting with that forever. I've been dealing with people who are like, yeah, but it's fine that he's a Republican. He treats me well, like, my entire life. And it was like, finally, someone fucking said it. And opening TikTok was like, just video after video of people saying what i had been thinking my entire life. And now I learned that that's just community. Mm-hmm. But it's a kind of community mm-hmm. that I could not access in my suburb. <laughs> so that was good.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Um, and I think it also... In the way that Tumblr introduced me to labels, TikTok sort of divested me from them. Mm-hmm. Um, Tumblr gave me language. I didn't know any queer people or if they were there. I didn't know they were queer. Uh, I joined Tumblr because the people I thought in my high school who were cool, who liked the same things I did, were already on it. Uh, and I said, okay, I can watch these TV shows. I can read these books. This is fine. <laughs> um and it was the first time culture was really for me that I was engaging with it consistently, that I was engaging with some sort of fandom. And with that came words like bisexual. Um, and there There's a note on my phone from like twenty fifteen, I fourteen. Um, because I'd seen a Tumblr post that was like, Hey, if you would go by from more than five people, you're just by. <laughs> That's the threshold. <laughs> not heteroflexible, You're not straight. You're not like you know spicy straight. You're new are just. Spicy by. Straight. Like, whoa, whoa, whoa. whoa, whoa, whoa. come down. So I opened up my little iPhone, and I it was probably an iPad. I couldn't afford an iPhone at that time. Um, and I typed a list, and I was like,
2: Haley <laughs> Natalie Dormer, <laughs>
3: <laughs> um, and then like. Three non-binary uh, Tumblr accounts, and I think at that point I was like, "Okay, we're gonna make some realizations." And it, you know, of course, it took a couple of years, but um, I think it's funny that that gave me that language gave me identity, and that is where words like gender fluid, which I stuck to for years before I became comfortable with myself as like a person who's trans, it gave me, "Oh, people can use any pronouns." Before I realized that I preferred they them pronouns, um, but. TikTok has so saturated my life with these identities and specificities, and I think it really forced me to come to terms with what being parasocial versus being connected with a person is, mm-hmm. that I recognize now that labels are, like I said earlier, purely a way for me to communicate my experience as fast as possible.
2: Mm-hmm. And
3: so the more I realize that I only really want to communicate my experience clearly to the people I care about and the people I respect and want to work with and be with and love, mm. um, the less I care. Like now in groups of people, I'll refer to myself as gay in a, like a colloquial umbrella term sense. Um, mm. If they ask about my gender, I'll be like, ah, yeah, I'm a guy. <laughs> <laughs> and it's, you know, with the people I care about that I say, well, I'm, you know, trans masculine non-binary. But for me, that means this list of things and that list of things. Here's what I identify with. And here's what I don't care about. Um, And like, that was such a new thing for me to be like, I don't really want to be bisexual. I mean, I am, but I am bisexual in the, that's the term that I discovered when I was discovering who I am, Mm -hmm. which is funny because now that people discuss a lot of the time, the difference between bisexual and pansexual, my experience actually aligns more with being pansexual, but I still say I'm bi. Because that's what the word means to me. Mm -hmm. And that's what the word meant to me. And for the sake of conversation, if I'm meeting a new person and they need to know, they'll get the gist of it if I say bi. They're not really going to learn any more about me if I say pan. Um, Which, you know, again, this is just me speaking as an individual. Not for every person Mm -hmm. who is multiple gender attracted. Which is really interesting. Because I thought, like, oh, but my bisexual experience is, like, we all just kind of think you know it's the person right it's the person you're attracted to like the gender is part of it like because people have gender if they want to so like (laughs) it plays in but then one day uh i was with my partner i think i've named earlier in this podcast as danny so danny's my partner and he was like and for context i express myself uh or present as both masculine and sometimes feminine i usually lean somewhere in a middle ground and then i like go really heavily masculine or really heavily feminine if I'm feeling like doing like I call it drag because it gives me control over the separation between identity and presentation mm-hmm. if I call it dressing feminine drag then it's like I'm a man it, but I'm still hyper mm-hmm. so that happens just kind of as I feel like doing it it's like Halloween every day I love it <laughs> um, and one day he was like I was wondering, can you like tell like what I'm feeling more attracted to on any given day I was like what God, no, sometimes I wake up and I'm like, you know, men. Or something And I'm like, <laughs> women. And like, percentages. And like, obviously, like, people don't have to identify with either of those things. Like, it's not like these, like, genders, two things. That's not yeah. <laughs> um, but I was like, what? What do you mean? Because I've never woken up and been like, hmm, today, I would like these traits. But apparently... <laughs> apparently I wake up and I dress and I often align with whatever he's feeling that day. And I was like, Oh, that's so crazy. Maybe he's just attracted attracted to you. (laughs) I think that's really possible. And
1: he's like, Oh, Oh, what is TJ today? Oh yes. That's what I want.
3: (laughs) This is my favorite theory. And then I talked to a roommate who's also a bi guy and he was like, yeah, no, I feel that. Like some days I feel like I lean more, you know, towards certain things versus other things i was like what you i have to and this is what i'm gonna ask you this question too do you experience bisexuality as like a today i wake up and i'm feeling this because for me it's just kind of like a lot of people are hot and (laughs) agree whatever their gender is is that you know oh interesting
1: yeah i think um we had a conversation um a while ago on the podcast with um another friend of the podcast who's pansexual identifies that way um and we kind of talked about how like um Language, I, like, struggle with um, (laughs) language and the utility of it because, like, I think, like you were talking about earlier, um, having access to language often gives us access to new ideas um, and new Mm -hmm. pathways and new sort of, like, tools and ways of being in the world. And that's really important. There's a lot of utility there, um, and there's a lot of, like, um, opportunities to get free. Um, But then, like you also said, we sort of, like, Sometimes we surpass the the utility of that language. Like sometimes, yeah. um, something that was once expansive and inviting and exciting, um, and flexible becomes like a bo- another box. Um, and so like I personally love identifying as bisexual. I have a chaotic bisexual uh, <laughs> keychain that Chelsea made me. Um, I we love the pride colors. Um, I love it, but also like. I'm not I'm not like super personally concerned about like the difference between like the labels of buy and pan or like other like various labels because I'm just sort of like whatever like feels good is what you can use and whatever it means to you is fine and so in that way I guess language like sort of breaks down and doesn't matter anymore <laughs> um, <laughs> because I'm like whatever you think it means is cool and also like we um in the introduction of this of the podcast every time you know we define bisexuality as um experiencing attraction to those who share your gender and those who don't or share your gender identity and those who don't um and there are a lot of people who are like you can only like boys and girls um which is just like not our worldview at all um and like those people are also bisexual just like in like a very different definition than we uh believe in Mm -hmm. um yeah it's just um it's like interesting to parse through like when uh is this language liberating when are these labels liberating? How do these labels help us find each other versus like when do they box us and when do they keep us apart? Um,
2: mm-hmm.
1: And to answer your question, I uh, I don't wake up feeling the way <laughs> that um, your boyfriend does. Uh, yeah. I wake up and I'm like, there's lots of hot people in the world, including <laughs> my boyfriend and Rihanna. And that's good. <laughs> and we love that. Um, but also – um, I think it's very charming that um, I'm just, like, picturing him, like, waking up in the morning and being, like, hmm, what an expansive world. Here's what I would like to <laughs> <laughs> think today.
2: That's so funny. Um,
1: and I, like, don't, like, even though, like, we are having, like, like, he and I are having very different experiences of bisexuality, if that's how he identifies, um, they're both great. I mean. Mm-hmm. <laughs> <laughs> Especially knowing that uh, my personal theory is that um, it's actually just lined up with whatever you are performing that day. <laughs> it,
3: may be, it may be the truth. <laughs>
0: um, maybe you're sharing brain cells. Like, Christina and I mm. just passed a single brain cell back and forth. Yeah, we just used to have two, but so. I think
1: there's just one now.
2: <laughs> um,
0: yeah, so, I mean, maybe that's what you and Danny are doing. <laughs>
3: really hard because I'm already kind of sharing a brain cell with his roommate. Um, <laughs> Maybe you are too. That. That's amazing. Congratulations. <laughs> for the three of us, just two brain cells. For making it. <laughs> it's, actually, it's something we joke about often is that me and his best friend slash now roommate um, are very alike in personality. We look kind of different, but we're the exact same height. Our shoulders are like the same, you know. <laughs> <laughs> um and we think in the exact same way so like if Danny's at work and we're like oh let's do groceries so he can cook for us um <laughs> one time we went out and we said the same exact thing six times in the same day and i lose to stuff
1: <laughs> i just had a very similar experience to that uh this past weekend uh my partner and i went on a trip with uh, another couple and And it was one of my really good friends and her boyfriend who I had met before, but hadn't like spent a lot of time with. And he and I are both Tauruses and we're the same person. Like (laughs) I kept being like, oh, I think this is why my friend and I are so close because like we're both just like taking care of her. Uh, We're just like the resident Taurus is like, "Um, shouldn't we plan a road trip to Zion next? Uh, Shouldn't we do this? Like just so many things where we would like pull out the same like supply at the same time. Um, or like have the same idea. And I was like, wow, we're the same person. This is hilarious.
3: <laughs> Besties, Bestie vibes only. Yeah.
1: And I see why we've both crowded around this one person to, um She's like my little, um, I don't know. I was going to say she's my uh, Virgo, but that's not true. Chelsea's also a Virgo and I have many other Virgos. <laughs> um, but that's so funny when you like find a person where you're like, oh, uh, we love the same person, and also we are the same.
3: Interesting. <laughs> <laughs> this, this adds up more than you thought it. Yeah. would.
2: Mm, you want to unpack that? No. Oh, my God. <laughs>
3: uh. oh, but Chelsea, how do you experience bisexuality?
0: Mm, um. Yes. <laughs> 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 and that's valid. And I believe. I that. do. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I think it's uh, maybe like a, if we've sort of identified two um,
1: areas
2: of the spectrum. <laughs> two,
0: yes, I feel like maybe a little of both. Like, mm. um, I think I think gender can sort of like informs my attraction to someone in the same way that like anything about them would. Mm. Um And so it's definitely like a factor, but it's not like the factor. (laughs) Mm -hmm. Um, I think maybe there are some like similarities in types of attraction that I feel to people who have maybe like similar gender presentation or similar gender, like uh, I was going to say experience, but I don't actually know about their experiences. It's my Mm -hmm. experience of their gender. Mm. um and then I don't know that I like I wouldn't say that I wake up in the morning with the preference um (laughs) but I will notice sometimes maybe like trends in the things that are like particularly attractive Mm. to me I will notice like oh this is a thing that is like for lack of a better term like doing it for me (laughs) right (laughs) now like um it's milfs this month (laughs) (laughs)
2: Yes. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. That is so uh, funny.
1: Yeah. Yeah. I feel like um just like you said, gender is like a part of um the attraction equation for me. Um in ways that I'm like interested in parsing through because I um wonder like how much of that is like um just like fear of men. Um, mm-hmm. but then like also how much of that is compet. Like how does like my um how does my attraction to people um, coupled with their gender presentation, like what is that (laughs) and like what kind of factors play? And I'm always interested in that. Um, But I definitely have a type and my type is Anne Hathaway, um, which Mm. Chelsea has dragged me for regularly.
0: (laughs) 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 Christina will be like, what about this person? And I'm like, that person that looks like Anne Hathaway. (laughs) I
3: stand by you. Thank you. Thank you, TJ.
0: <laughs>
2: <sighs>
0: it's funny, though, because once I asked Christine, I was like, so, like, what is your, like, type? What kind of people are you, if you have, if there's, like, a, you know, general things that you're attracted to? And she listed off some people. I think it was men, mostly, actually, when I asked you. Um... And they they had like nothing in common. Yeah. And I was like, what is connect- I don't <laughs> maybe she doesn't have a type. And then the more she would talk about people that she was attracted to, I was like,
1: oh <laughs> yeah. men, it's <laughs> random and sporadic. Um there's no no rhyme or reason, but yeah. And Hathaway's hot. Yeah, That's it. I mean, That's is. the thesis. <laughs> <laughs>
3: You know the quote that's like, you either die a hero or you live long enough to see yourself become a villain.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: Yeah. Um, well, my type kind of used to be twinks, but I kept living, and now I am a twink. And now <laughs> I am the villain. Is what I'm trying to
2: say. Wow.
1: Well, oh, yeah. Do you think that I'm gonna become Anne Hathaway? <laughs>
0: what's um, stopping you. I think your ass is what's stopping you. Actually, oh, I think that will percolate you. True. No offense to Anne Hathaway, but. <laughs>
2: That's true. She could never. She could never,
1: and that's okay, Anne. It's fine. We can't all be everything all at once. We, we all have different be. qualities. We do. <laughs> uh, love that. <laughs> um, <laughs> I love that talking about TikTok got us to this place. <laughs> that feels
2: good.
0: Yeah. Um, I'm curious tj if this happens to you a thing that christina and i talk about sometimes is the uh bisexual experience of like watching something on tv and like being attracted to like both the like love interests it's like there's this guy and then this girl and they're they're in love and you're or maybe they're not in love but they should be Mm -hmm. um and you're like i'm attracted to both of these Oh,
3: People. Yeah. <laughs> oh, yeah. This, listen, this goes beyond media. This is the experience <laughs> of my life. Do you know how much of a problem it is to see couples and think, instead of like, well, I'm so happy for you, <laughs> your brain is just like, just let me in. Just let me in. Now. <laughs> I think this is why I thought I was polyamorous for so long, because I can have crushes on anybody. I, I've since realized that for me, I just don't have a Google Calendar complicated enough to manage um, emotional connection to more than one person. And I really, I really like my person. Um, and so for complicated reasons that aren't quite jealousy, but like, are more just like administratively, I think it, it, I'm not built for it. But, like, liking two parts of a couple has been part of my experience my mm. entire life. I don't know if it started as, like, a guilt thing. Like, if I liked a girl mm. and she was in a relationship, I'd be like, well, he's hot, too. Oh. <laughs> <laughs> now it's fair. Interesting. Now it's fine. Now it's fair. Um, but, like, full <laughs> – I um I hadn't kissed anybody by the time I was 16 um because, like I said, I don't know what happened over quarantine, but people started hitting me on me for the first time. And I was like, wow, that's new, but <laughs> did not happen in high school or middle school. Um, and so I was like, ah, we got to fix this. <laughs> we can't, we can't keep going. Um, so I was like, who would kiss me for an art project?
2: Like 16, <laughs> <guy on> <laughs> like,
3: 17 years old, just did it. Just did it. Wow, so brave!" I,
0: I'm glad that that I didn't like see that post as a teenager because I would have been like, oh, I could do this, and it wouldn't have been it wouldn't have been a good idea. Yeah.
3: The project <laughs> was called Platonic Affection, and it was an exploration of the effect of context on communication, specifically mm-hmm. physical communication. Like, why is a high five different from a hug? Why is a hug different from a kiss? Why is a cheek kiss different from like tongue? You know, it's all about how we define ourselves to each other and the communication outside of it. It's the same reason that like you know slapping can be sexual or violent it's like Mm. it isn't actually interesting concept Uh, the thing is i just shouldn't have been doing it when i was 17 yeah that's quite (laughs) complex (laughs) yeah you're like i was like
0: wow this is
1: so smart this is so
0: interesting it was like oh at 17 (laughs) and then i remember (laughs) teacher just
1: being like who will kiss me how can i
3: (laughs) (laughs) very literally that Brilliant. Um, and then like one of my very small, like I want to say, like sixty kids in our in my class. So one of the high school's couples was like, yeah, sure, because I was friends with the girl and I had feelings she was queer, and the guy was um a fuck boy. So he was like, yeah, I teach you how to kiss. I was like, okay, okay, <laughs> sir, fine, whatever, you'll do. So My first kiss. To be fair, they were both hot. Like for, for the group of people, I like, I was kind of a legend. I actually. my first kiss is like a three-way peck between all three of us and then I made out with each of them separately on camera and then I used it to get my photography account to 100 followers because I posted a teaser video of us almost kissing um and then I was like yeah I'll drop the real video when it gets to 100 followers because nobody (laughs) believed I did it nobody was like there's this kid this kid who's been doing nothing but just like going to school and (laughs) dropping in and out of it because they're going through something nobody knows what and then I was like, so I've kissed the girl all of you have a crush on and the guy all of you have dated. I've done this. Are you proud of me? And then I kissed like one more person, but unfortunately I graduated after that. And so they all moved everywhere. And I was mm. like,
2: Oh am I gonna kiss? <laughs> I'm not gonna
3: kiss people I don't know. I can kiss people I've trauma bonded with for the last four years, sure. you know. <laughs> college was hard. I tried to schedule one and then I got too nervous and it fell through. But it's okay. Like I said, um, I remove them from the Instagram account now because I don't think that like, I want that even if like nothing NSFW occurred, like even if it was just kissing, I don't really want that material out there and yeah. I was underage and it just doesn't feel, you know, it's one of those things that it's like, I'm, you know, that was an experience for that time. Mm-hmm, mm-hmm. Um, and I've moved on, but apparently I didn't change that much because <laughs> I think maybe that was 16. And then by 18, I was doing my first big musical. And I had a crush on the boy who was playing the character I wanted to play, and the stage manager, and they were best friends. And I told both of them. Uh, <laughs> and then after I told both of them, we all three like sat there and held hands and were like, "Interesting. We don't know what this is, but we all we're alive." <laughs> it didn't go. Well. It didn't go well. Like I mean, like we're friends now, but like it didn't pan out for me. But I love that I consistently will just be like, "Hey,
2: these are my feelings." <laughs>
3: Okay. Bye. <laughs> <laughs> I'm a little better now. I'm not that much better now. I'm I'm only better because Danny is very kind and um, forgiving. Because uh, now, instead of going, these are my feelings, I go, I don't know if I have feelings. So maybe if I could just like, you know maybe we just like peace out. You know, like we were just like friends. He's really good friends. You know, friends who like kiss and hang out and talk about our feelings, but just friends. <laughs> and Danny said, okay, that's fine. We can be friends. And three weeks later I was like, Hey, so I made this playlist about you. Um, <laughs> uh,
1: the people who let us uh work out our own bullshit, honestly. Are valuable.
2: <laughs> I'm very grateful. I've
3: I've been very lucky in this case. Wow. What oh, an
1: elaborate I- uh, plan. I'm like still thinking mm-hmm. about the like the project that you set out to <laughs> do. <laughs> In high school.
3: <laughs> yeah. I think uh, it's a good project. And it's a, if there weren't a pandemic, it would be a really fun excuse to kiss all my friends. Because, like, it's one of those things that I think if time had continued on long enough, it would have been like, ah, sure. Like, I still, like, you know, within my monogamous relationship, we can still kiss our friends if there's no known romantic intention. Mm-hmm. The word known is in there because <laughs> the they can't tell. <laughs>
2: That's good. We were, actually just talking about,
1: we were just talking about that last night about how like people have like different definitions of monogamy. Um, and like that's perfectly fine, but like you just gotta talk about it or else like you don't know someone's boundaries until they've told you or you've crossed them. Um, mm-hmm. but I love that. I also love the very specific known romantic contention. <laughs> <laughs>
2: uh, so healthy. Yeah.
3: Yeah. It's one of those things that I think I have a very, very healthy relationship, not because I knew everything going into it, but because one of the things my anxiety makes me do is kind of hyper communicate. It Mm -hmm. is a way I compensate for the fear um, of doing something wrong. So it's not always healthy. I would say that in the ways where it was unmanaged when I was a teen and I would have to text somebody and be like, do you still like me? Do you hate me? That's not okay that's not acceptable. But in a relationship where I go, if I don't know, the first thing I'm going to do is ask a question and establish a plan moving forward. Right. Because honestly, like a lot of our boundaries and stuff changed as our relationships started because I've never been in one. I mm-hmm. had a lot of preconceived notions of who I would be in a relationship and I was very wrong <laughs> for somebody who can have crushes on like seven people at once. I um, am a lot more protective of my relationship than I thought I would be. Mm-hmm. Um, mostly I've never been experienced before where I had a partner and people would blatantly hit on them in front of me. And I was like, why doesn't this feel good? I thought it would feel good. and It doesn't feel good right now. Mm-hmm. Um, and so the fact that I have a partner where I can go, Hey, I thought this, I know I established these boundaries, but I was wrong. I am feeling a certain way. And right now I'm going to feel bad about it, but like in an hour or so let's talk and reestablish some new boundaries. And that that's always the case. Mm -hmm. And if it doesn't work for us in the long run, we reestablish them again. Like that's, it's good stuff. It's nice to know that we did stuff like that our first month dating. Um, So now you know over a year in, if anything comes up again, it's not scary. Mm -hmm. You know, it's Mm -hmm. really really nice. Yeah,
1: there's a lot of grace in that of like acknowledging that we're gonna change and have new experiences that give us new information. Feels really similar to the way that you're talking about. Um, the way that, like, the role that your gender does and doesn't play in relationship dynamics mm-hmm. in an ideal situation of like being um, sort of seen as
2: like a fluid, changing human because, like, that is what a human is. Mm. I love that. Mm. Mm.
1: I'm really glad that you asked that question, Chelsea, because yeah.
2: <laughs> <laughs> oh, now I get
3: to hear my interesting anecdotes about my first kiss that I scheduled. <laughs> My, per- my, my current partner is actually my first, like, romantic kiss. Technically, I kissed somebody when I was on a date once, and I thought it was romantic, but they didn't like me. Uh, so <laughs> I could still be romantic.
2: Back.
3: <laughs> <laughs> Looking back, it was very much not. Nice. <laughs> um, but, like, yeah, I'm, I'm learning a lot. Uh, mm-hmm. It's fun. It's a good time. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah.
1: Ah, learning good. Um yeah you've talked a little bit about um kind of alluded to earlier in this conversation about the ways that um like decolonizing your understanding of gender um has been really important to your you know to kind of development and journey exploration. Um so I'm wondering if you can talk a little bit more about that.
3: Yeah, for sure. Um I just starting with terminology to be fair, I'm not educated enough to give like a thorough definition on the decolonization of gender, but I bet you there like 40 really good papers about it that you could read but i would say for me and the way i use it the reason i use the term decolonizing gender rather than just like diffusing or removing it is because i think that gender for me is a binary doesn't only exist in the sense of male versus or male to female um it exists in a way of the ideal form of gender the gender you are being compared to is always going to be somebody who is white and skinny and cis mm-hmm. And that is a thing where I believe I experienced dysphoria in a sense, not in a trans masculine way, but in a a body that would never be that of a white girl's growing up as a brown girl. Um, Since it's a podcast and nobody can see me, um, (laughs) I am Dominican-Filipino, if you don't know what I look like. And so that means I am both Asian and Afro-Latine. I would say I fall on the lighter skin side of, you know, the full range of people of color. But um, I'm still definitely not white. None of my features are white. I I know a lot of half Asian people uh, who have some Eurocentric features or whatever that means nowadays. Um, But I am not that. And so in middle school, I have very specific and clear memories of not feeling pretty, of not feeling like I'd ever be skinny enough. And I've gone through enough periods of my life where I've had bad relationships with my body. Where I know that no matter how much weight I lose, I'm just, and this sounds funny, I'm just built different. Um, but, like, my bones are where they are. My rib cage is where it is. My pelvis is where it is. I will never look the same as, like, Melissa. <laughs> 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 the, like, 11-year-old I, you know, would, would have gone to middle school with. Or, and especially growing up in Southern California, um, being put through scholarships in private Catholic schools. The population was often majority white, some Latine, some Filipino, but I could never fully identify with the Filipino experience because my experience was so Americanized by the homogeny of my household in that my parents don't both speak the, an alternative language. Um, my mom moved here when she was two. My dad's grandfather immigrated here from the Dominican Republic when, you know, before he was born. Um, so I... Have the perception of somebody who is outside of not only whiteness but outside of the Asian and Latina experiences who are near me like I'm I'm Dominican but I'm not Mexican and that's not a bad thing and we still share a lot in common and I'm able to find community in Latina community but it's a very strange thing to not see any bodies that are like yours mm. um, especially when you are being told that your body should be smaller and smaller and smaller and you are built bigger um, and I think with um, you know, the hypersexualization of the black body has been, you know, a historical phenomena and a, you know, horrible tragedy. But I think we've entered into an era where, although it is still happening in a negative way, we have these, you know, characters in pop culture who are also people. Um, I think in you know, I've mentioned to you before Megan the Stallion mm-hmm. for me it was a big moment because it was the first time I saw a woman who was empowered, who had agency. Who looked like me and who was unapologetic for the way their body looked and who was being celebrated for it, um, and that was really huge because I think even as a little girl, and as somebody who now knows that I don't crave feminine, femininity, uh, white supremacy really denied me femininity at an early age. And I want to clarify that I don't think that's what makes me trans. I don't think mm-hmm. I was like, "I'll never be a white girl. Guess I'll be a boy." Right. Um, <laughs> <laughs> that wasn't the case at all. But I think it's one of those things where. Instead of experiencing femininity and then turning from it at a moment of realization, I always felt pushed away from it. And I think that that fear, along with the desire to be perceived in a way that is like accepted as trans, used to keep me really away from femininity. I would try to dress as masculine as possible. Um, I tried to get people to call me dad as a joke. Like I made that a bit my (laughs) senior year of high school. just wanted to have like a dad branding so it would keep distancing me from womanhood um but now I can like see these empowered black female artists um who look more and more like me and it's really nice to see that they're seen as beautiful that you can put Meg in a music video with Dua Lipa and I'm like she's killing it you know Mm -hmm. like Dua Lipa looks like somebody I will never, ever, ever look like, and that used to make me so heartbroken, you know, because I wanted girls to like me, I wanted boys to like me, and that wasn't going to happen in the circumstances I was in at the time, or at least I was convinced by a society I was in that, that wasn't going to happen. And now I'm in a relationship where my masculinity is affirmed by that, and I feel much safer to partake in femininity because I have. You know, multiple people around me who affirm my gender, but somebody who really knows me, who respects and affirms it constantly. And then to have the safety of seeing a body that is beautiful and looks like mine, even if I don't identify with their gender, has made me a lot more able to engage in the concept of beauty in a way that I couldn't. Mm -hmm. And I think a lot of trans guys kind of get this feeling like, you know, if you take testosterone, like, what if it makes me uglier? Like, I have, I'm in a point where I don't really want to start testosterone, because I don't have the money, time, or, like, emotional (laughs) space for that. I I can't go through another puberty right now. Um, (laughs) But then I was very afraid. I very suddenly gained, like, the ability to be considered beautiful, the privilege of beauty at, like, 20 because finally being ethnically ambiguous was suddenly a trend instead of being a a sin (laughs) and like it's it's very much so a privilege and the idea of losing that to make somebody else see me as masculine is something that challenged me for a long time Mm -hmm. like I would push my body to such limits to obtain a masculine appearance without starting testosterone that I was like I need to start testosterone um and then I was like I can't start testosterone and it would be this this weird circle where I was just trying to get people to perceive me a certain way and I knew that even if I did all those things I would still think I was kind of ugly which Mm -hmm. I think kind of speaks to the root of (laughs) the issue which is that like the dysphoria for me is it's not, I'm not going to say it comes entirely from the outside, um, but I would say that more so than changing my body, changing the people I value as far as like their opinion mm. on me has been huge in mitigating dysphoria. Like I did a lot of voice training that I'm not using right now, so it's very weak, um, but I don't use it. Like I think my voice skyrockets in pitch when I'm alone with my partner, mm. um, and I can do drag um and I can wear dresses around my partner and it can be like this fun thing where I'm playing their girlfriend and it doesn't feel (laughs) like I'm not doing it for him you know it would be kind of messed up if I was a trans non-binary guy dating my partner and then just pretending to be a woman like that would be really messed up uh but instead it is a situation where I am granted fluidity by security. and representation. Really, it just comes down to representation. Um, I don't. I can't even name like which parts of my body it is because uh, if you looked at me, you would not think I look like Megan the Stallion. This is not what I'm saying. <laughs> um, even as like a guy, I'd kind of love to, but I, I don't think that's necessarily the case. But. Um, I I've only sort of recently become more aware of my relationship with blackness as an Afro-Latina person. I you, used to distance myself entirely because I was so separate from black culture because there was no black community around me in the situations I grew up in. But I think the more I saw black TikTokers and black musicians, the more I was like even if that's not entirely who I am, there is a lot of me that connects with that experience. That is something where sometimes I know in my heart when something is racist. And it's not happening to anyone else around me. Mm -hmm. And my mom doesn't quite get it because she's a very light skinned Filipina. And my dad doesn't really talk about his experiences with darker skin with me. So, like, I would just end up in these situations over and over where I'd feel like, why are they treating me differently? Like, is it because I'm trans? And then I would see white trans people and they would be treated just fine. And then um, recently in in college, I was treated like an aggressor in a situation where I was being incredibly polite um, mm. and so on one side the uh, the denial of femininity for black people has given me a more androgynous look in a white society. I think that people perceive me as more masculine because I am not white, and that is for me a benefit, but also it is a really weird thing.
2: Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's still really racist
3: it is mm-hmm. i don't know i'm not i'm undereducated to be commenting on this in a way that goes any deeper than what it is and speaks to only my experience but the moment i realized my gender had anything to do with my race as far as my experience mm-hmm. it was really massive for me because mm-hmm. i kept on reading and watching white bi creators white trans creators and i was like they all yeah this is mostly it but something was missing mm-hmm. um And yeah, I just thought that was super, super strange. Mm -hmm. I mean, I know a lot of people grow up feeling like they're the ugly kid, but it's a really weird thing when all of a sudden society is like, no, you're hot now. You're trendy now. When your whole life you felt bad about your skin color and all of a sudden people are like, oh my God, I love your tone. You look like you just got back from the beach. Mm. (laughs) It's crazy. Mm.
1: Mm. Yeah, that's really profound and um, complicated.
3: Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. Mm. Yeah. I don't have a good transition, but I thought That's it was okay. Fun. I'm just
1: thinking. Every time you talk for a couple of minutes, I'm like, Ah, oh, TJ is so smart. All
3: these complex
1: <laughs> emotions. <laughs>
3: Oh, and I was so worried I would say something dumb. I wanted to plan what I was saying ahead of time, but I knew if I did, it would come out like I'd rehearsed it. And I kind of <laughs> do, I do okay when I'm talking to people. So I figured I would just kind of trust the process. You've okay. been great. Yeah. So, <laughs> Thank you. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I did have a note in here that um, we haven't addressed yet. Yes. I just, I thought I could read some funny things that people have said to me on Tinder as a oh, yes. trans yes. person person. Um, so from my Twitter, uh, I found this uh, message that somebody sent to me, uh, and it goes, I feel your last photo, comma, I'm curious if you have male parts or female, space, period, I've met, I've met with some who call themselves trans, and they were just too dude for me, but two was spelled with one O? Just a dude. (laughs) I personally like to have more female in my life. Oh, no. (laughs) To be clear, my profile is like, I'm trans. Transphobia is a red flag. I use they, them pronouns at the time. Um, I think my last photo is that meme of the frog that is like, uh, what is it? It's the, are you male or female? Dude, I'm just attractive. I love that frog so uh, much. My friend Sarah got me a, on a car air freshener and it hangs on my little mirror. Um, <laughs> so so I hope my so car frog. doesn't get hate crimes. Yeah. <laughs> so that was a good one. Wow. Um
1: what uh, a limited view
2: of the world.
3: Two dudes. And then uh, a follow-up from I guess this is Bumble 2019. Wow. Um and we were talking about like modeling people who are photographers yada yada and then they go or he goes I feel like him being a man is important (laughs) Um, what's your pronoun by the way sorry if it offends you but I can't tell and I said oh my pronouns are they them thanks for asking and I was like yeah so focusing on college then not modeling and he goes you're welcome and how do you identify and I go oh I identify as non-binary and I comment on like his career options And he goes, okay, fuck me. I don't know the nicest way to ask this, but I am straight. And I want to know that you're not a guy because you're good looking, but I can't tell. Don't fancy me. It just means... Oh, no, no, sorry. Then he starts talking about being a doctor again and, like, asks about my Instagram. But, like, imagine asking somebody for their pronouns (laughs) and how they identify and then just being like, are you a girl? (laughs) Please say you're a girl. (laughs) Do you have... Wow. (laughs) That's like
1: somebody who, like got the script also the, like,
0: <laughs> like you're attractive but i can't tell is like what well if you're attract is that you just like what what more information do
3: you need <laughs> like, oh, oh like, god you Message me buddy uh, yeah i don't know what to tell you oh, oh no it's just like it's on you <laughs>
2: Uh... a lot of stuff like
3: that and then the last person i was talking to from tinder before i was like i'm in a relationship which to be fair i i was not emotionally in the best place at the time so uh instead of like i kept being like yo i'm gonna ghost you because you're straight and then i would keep replying Mm -hmm. um and i only stopped when i sent (laughs) him a picture of me with him (laughs) (laughs) i've never been the best person um, <laughs> me neither. That's not true. I'm, I'm a fine person, but I, I, I don't know. I, I don't owe a lot to people who talk to me like this. And I'd be like, okay, well, but if you're attracted to me, you're not straight. Um, and he, his name was like Michael or something. Like, <laughs> well, I just feel like we all focus on labels a little bit too much these days. Maybe we can just be people who are attracted to other people. And I was like, okay, well, you're. That's correct. <laughs> you're, you're almost there. Um, but if people can be attracted to other people. You can be attracted to a man. Like, yeah.
0: I don't know exactly. <laughs> Maybe we can all just be people who are attracted to people, but not attracted to people that would make us not straight. Right. Yeah.
1: Wow. Um, <laughs> two men who are like almost there. They're like, I have the script. <laughs> I like understand how I'm, what, like, what I should say. But also, I desperately need to be heterosexual. Yeah. Yikes. And I have to do that to someone else. Mm-hmm.
2: Mm-hmm.
3: It is so so interesting being online and not cis.
2: Woof. (laughs) People who are like, yeah, I'm straight. And then like, they'll
3: message you on Snapchat being like, I can call you daddy. (laughs) And listen, I'm not here to kink shame anyone. What happens in your bedroom can stay outside of what you identify with in real life. That's fine that said, if you sought me out um, and if you thought I was a top (laughs) Uh, I just think that maybe you're a little confused Uh, I mean like I'll do it I'm capable I'm I'm a very talented guy but I need you to accept that I'm a man (laughs) I can be your daddy, sure Sure. but you might want to think
1: about that a little bit yeah whenever we have to like map our um i don't know whenever we have to inflict our like bullshit onto other people and like map that onto someone else to like affirm whatever we're trying to uphold um we're doing something wrong i don't know
0: (laughs) i wonder sometimes like what it is that like straight cis people think about like
1: because it's not in general
0: <laughs> yeah you know it's like well you're definitely not thinking about i don't know your gender or your attraction or any of those things so like
1: maybe that's why they like sports because they like, have the brain space <laughs> oh my god it all makes sense i get it now i understand
3: <laughs> And Bitcoin oh that's true oh yes nfts yeah yeah <laughs> as NFTs someone who like does and, and bridgerton <laughs> oh yeah yeah as
1: someone who like simply has no brain capacity f- to learn what an nft is um and also who watched one episode of bridgerton and was like oh yeah the vitamin string quartet is good anyways <laughs> moving
3: on <laughs> this the makes sense <laughs> is good <laughs> well, uh. yeah. there's, there's these great couples and it's like you're just so unhappy. Like, do you ever see stories written mm-hmm. by married straight people? Yeah. And it's like, whoa, I wouldn't hang it. Like you aren't friends at all. <laughs> yeah. The whole phrase of like, oh, I love them, but I don't like them. That's not okay. Yeah. <laughs> not okay. Yeah. I'm like a, I'm like a fight flirter, you know, I'll be like, eh, like, but I won't get into an argument.
1: Yeah. We, um, uh, my partner and I talk about that a lot because, uh, we are like not in a short relationship because I'm right here. Um, actually the other night we drove somewhere and I can't park, obviously. Um, and so I like pulled into a parking spot and, um, I was like, oh, am I straight? And my boyfriend was like, no, you're not. And I was like, oh, that's very sweet. I know. But I met in the parking spot, which I probably also am not, (laughs) but he was like, no, you exist. Um, but we like talk about how oftentimes when we are like in spaces with other couples, um, especially, like, straight couples, um, there's mm-hmm. this weird dynamic of, like, the men want to complain about, like, specific things about the women, and the women want to, like, complain about specific things about the men, and we're just, like, we like each other. I don't know. Um, yeah. <laughs> I, like, also say we, like, give each other a really hard time and, like, tease each other and whatever, and, like, that is fun and fine, um, but I'm also, like, um, it's not a part of my Uh, regular social interaction to be like oh finally I can complain about the man that I have chosen to spend my life with Um, and you know no shame I guess if that's part of whatever but um, yeah I'm like maybe you should just break up like I don't (laughs) understand (laughs) Um, I don't really like get this whole um, this thing as someone who has like been in uh, several relationships with men uh, while I had varying degrees of awareness about my own sexuality um i'm like i can't imagine like the relationship that i was in <clears throat> when i was like 19 i'm like i couldn't still be doing that there's simply <laughs> no and people do that it, i mean i just yeah go back to the compet episode everybody Quit doing it.
3: that's such an interesting point though like i and this boggles my mind and i think it's something that like i understand or i'm more aware of than danny is but we're kind of Sometimes straight passing in public, Mm -hmm. or we (laughs) look. Well, there are three options for straight (laughs) passing, which puts us in a privileged place. Like it makes things easier sometimes, but it's you know it's a little weird. Um, Or we look like a father and son. Got that one at a campfire from a thirteen-year-old a few months back. That was rough. I think that's only because
1: thirteen-year-olds like just don't know how old anyone is. Because I, yeah, (laughs) I've never had that experience.
3: (laughs) I hope so. But to be fair, you didn't see the beard he was rocking that day. It was pretty intense. (laughs) He just becomes a a (laughs) forty-year-old. Oh, I, I have to text you the picture after. It's so real. Um, or we look like a lesbian and a man who's bothering them. And, and maybe that's why people hit on him in front of me all the time. It's like general charisma, which I, I can't relate. If I'm in public, I'm like, don't talk to me. This is a safety concern. I feel unsafe if you're going to look at me. Do not speak to me. But he's like tall, mostly white man, you know, or like perceivably white man. Um, so he gets all that privilege and he's six, two and a half or something like that. Um, so it's. You know, not to get into a whole other topic, I'm, I'll try to wrap it up. But like, it's so crazy through my relationship being able to access like an entrance into straight or empowered spaces mm. because I'm with somebody where nobody can hurt me. Mm. <laughs> like I can go on a walk at night with him, and I'm safe. Mm. And I've never been able to go on a walk at night alone, or even with. I used to be the tallest in my college friend group. I'm like five nine. Uh, but now, I'm like, act- actually safe? Whether it's the whiteness or the uh, height, it's <laughs> a very, it's a weird experience. Um, it's kind of fun, kind of funky fresh. Uh, <laughs> and I think for the most part, we use the privilege for good um, and to help uplift and protect other marginalized people. I don't want oh my God, like two months ago we were at a restaurant and previous to this experience i'd kind of told danny like hey the reason i don't get involved when somebody says some dumb shit (laughs) i was not sure if i was allowed to curse and i've already done it yeah that's yeah (laughs) (laughs) he said some really stupid shit to me and or in the past if somebody would i say i don't get involved because it's a safety concern for me Mm -hmm. right it is even if you're able to fight someone physically if it really came to that uh it's not safe for me to be around. If cops showed up, I would be blamed for some reason because that's just kind of how it works. Mm-hmm. Um, so I was very like, let's just not engage. We have like hand signals for emergency, meaning to get out of here, but like otherwise, we keep it cool. And then we were at dinner with his family. And my friend and him. And we asked about, or like one of his parents asked about the accent that the guy who came and checked on our table was. I think he was some sort of manager there. And we were like, oh yeah, like New Zealand or Australia. We went around the table and guessed. And he was like, ah, well, I was actually born here, but I moved here, yada, yada. And then he goes, I have a question for you, like looks dead at me and points. And I'm like, "Uh uh-huh. And he goes where are you from? Cause, and I go, oh, I'm Filipino and Dominican. he's like, ah, wow. Yeah. The Filipino, I would have, I'm going to do a really bad accent. The Filipino, I would have guessed, but no, no, I'm not going to do it. I'm going to (laughs) bail. Chelsea can do it. Chelsea's really good
1: at doing accents. Oh Oh, no. That five seconds. That was
0: good.
3: Thank you. Thank you so much. But he comments on my race and then he keeps on, on me, like, you like, that's a really, it's a really appealing combination. And I, it's fucking up again. I just got to stick to my <laughs> accent. Um, and he, over the next 10 minutes, like, keeps telling Danny, he's such a lucky guy. That's such an appealing combination. You're so, we got an, an exotic look. Oh, no. I remember him using the word exotic
2: over and over and over
3: again. Oh, and when we, he eventually left, we were like, oh, that was, that was not good. And then we, Go to leave the restaurant like half an hour later. And he comes up and he puts his hand on Danny's shoulder. And he goes, hey, mate, don't fuck it up. But it was so loud that I could hear it. And I was trying to get away. The last thing I wanted was for that man to speak to me again. And he he ended, I totally forgot this. He ended his 10-minute tirade on what he thought about my race um, with, and I'm celebrating 16 years with my wife. (laughs) (laughs) Like pulled up the ring. And the question I now have, and I I guess I ask you, the audience, is we vote now on your phones. If you think his (laughs) wife is the pastiest looking white woman you've ever seen, (laughs) like blonde hair, blue eyes, everything, or is an ambiguously ethnic person Uh, who looks exactly like me mm -hmm. and doesn't challenge him at all. (sighs) Yeah,
1: Because he was so excited to encounter you, I'm going to go with option one. But both uh, are possible and the second one seems worse. Yeah.
2: Yeah. That I... Batman. Paul.
3: If you're out there, Paul. <laughs> I hope you know. Paul you listens to this up.
2: podcast.
3: Yeah. Paul's oh discovering God. things about himself. Yeah.
1: <laughs> <laughs> Paul is also on a journey.
2: <laughs> oh.
3: Clearly. Hopefully. And so after Yikes. that, I told Danny, I said, yeah, why don't you use the privilege? Next time that happens, you can fuck him up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> he would never like hurt hurt somebody unless it called for it of course because he's not um an asshole Mm -hmm. but um he now has permission to like use his privilege in a way that protects me from scenarios (laughs) like that because my whole life i've spent it like as a genuine safety thing like i cannot engage because i will get hurt um and it's a just another interesting thing about not being a cis white straight and all those stuff
2: yeah Mm -hmm.
1: Yeah, it's like a power dynamic to navigate. Yeah.
2: Mm-hmm. Yeah. Oh man.
0: Mm-hmm. <laughs> um we should probably start to wrap up, but there was uh I cannot remember the specifics of what you said TJ, but I, there was something at the pool party we were talking about the Bipod, and you said something like, I'd be happy to come on and talk about bisexuals being attracted to like Timothy Chalamet. I was just like,
3: <that. laughs> Oh God, I expect to be attacked like that. I
2: did that to myself. I just apologize for my own actions. What?
3: Okay. Well, listen. I cannot speak for every bisexual. Well, you must. And I was going to <laughs> bisexual would like to apologize for being attracted to Timothy Chalamet. It's not by my own uh, free will. I promise you that. Um, I think I just experience this weird combination of like uh, he's a very feminine man. <laughs> <laughs> As somebody who wants to be a man and is defined by others as feminine, I am envious of that as a place in society that i celebrated. <clears throat> like, I don't know what else. He's a twink. He's a white twink. <laughs> they, the girlies are eating him up, mm-hmm. of course. Mm-hmm. So, and uh, mm-hmm. I, I think I hate him because, uh, like, I would kiss him mm-hmm. and I wouldn't want to hang out with him, but he's a good actor. <laughs> do you know what i mean yes like obviously i don't know his real personality i know about the chlamydia rumors and <laughs> rumors and quotations uh, at like nyu or whatever but like no matter how i perceive him as a public figure in a parasocial way he goes out and delivers these fantastic cinematic performances over and over and i don't know if that has to do with bisexuality or not um competency is it's real. yeah that's true yeah Yeah, and i think there is something empowering or not empowering i'm not going to say that about timothy shellman there's something something cool or accessible to queerness about the current trend of man and it's still going to be a white man we're we're not going to get past that one for a long time but like is this, like, skinny little twink. Because, like, before it was like, to be a man, you have to be hyper masculine. Women want muscles, women want cool cars. And it's like, no, 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 the women want the guy playing a 17 year old. He's get, like, pounded by Army Hammer. I'm sorry. Like, I don't know why women wanted that or why people wanted that. But, um, that happened in our society. Mm-hmm. It was a moment we have to acknowledge it. I think Ellen called him sexy, which is a number of war crimes. I don't, <laughs> I don't think that's allowed by the Geneva Conventions. Um, convention? I'm not smart enough to answer that question. Um, but yeah, Timothy Chalamet exists in this masculine and feminine spot, uh, and that's interesting. Mm-hmm. I would say that that was maybe my uh, my take in. 2017 to 2019. I would say my current. Uh, I'm bisexual, and I want this man is kind of like the himbo. I think the himbo is having a moment. Has been having a moment for the last two years, and for me, the himbo in question was Markiplier, and um, I watched. There's this project he did called Unis Honest, where it was just him and a twink, and I thought, I this is this is what I want every day of my life. I want my relationship to be that plus like mutual pining and uh, (laughs) desperate sexual tension. Like this is just (laughs) every morning,
1: Danny wakes up and is like, "Hmm, what do I want?" And every morning, you're like, "I know exactly what I
3: want." (laughs) (laughs) Maybe five percent more mutual. Video games. (laughs) I just start dropping like Ao3 fanfic tags. <laughs> bed sharing a u <laughs> <laughs> that's how I ask to stay over <laughs> <sighs> so of, I think our mutual friends like to bully me for the similarity to Mark Blair's voice and my partner's voice mm-hmm. um and uh, what can I say? My partner is everything I like about Mark Fishbach, except he's tall
2: mm-hmm.
3: so I think i'm I'm living the dream mm-hmm. uh right now. <laughs> Sorry to Mark Fishbach, who's 5'10". I support you, King. (laughs) In a different life, we would be together.
1: (laughs) Uh, Yeah, well, I'm really glad that we got there because that was the whole reason that we brought you on the podcast. Um,
2: Yeah. Yeah, that that was really it.
3: (laughs) (laughs) I'm glad I could answer this really, you know, meaningful, complex question. Driving question. Mm -hmm. Yeah. (laughs) We're Um, really here
0: for the big questions on the BIPOC. We really are. Mm -hmm. Timothy Chalamet.
3: (laughs) Question mark. (laughs) (laughs) Motherfucker. (laughs) I hope he's listening.
1: (laughs) Timothy Chalamet definitely listens to the podcast, just like Paul. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> uh um, Well, it has been so much fun to have you, TJ. I always love talking to you and I'm so happy that we get to share absolutely. you um, with our listeners. Um, are there any projects or socials or anything like that that you want to tell people about?
3: Yeah, absolutely um you can follow me on instagram at deolindo.art. that's t-e-o-l-i-n-d-o dot a-r-t on instagram that's where i post a lot of my photography i'll probably post to my stories if i have any upcoming plays um the theater company that i help run is unity theater collective and that's exactly what it is on instagram as well probably linked to my pages already um Yeah, I think that's most of what I've got going on right now. Thank you so much for having me. This was an absolute blast. I always love an excuse to talk about gender and sex. (laughs)
1: Yeah, us as well. (laughs) Hence the podcast. (laughs) Uh, So we do something at the very end of every episode. Um, I'm not sure why we started doing it, but we continue um, where we look at each other and then we say goodbye at the same time. Um, But it's like not planned. Um, It's just vibes um, with varying degrees of success. Um, so would you like to participate Absolutely. <laughs> okay great so whenever we feel it we'll do it okay ready
2: mm-hmm.
1: well good <laughs> no. i'm sorry
0: i didn't know that you were gonna say more i always words. say
1: well and i realized i should set TG up for success and well. then
0: you laugh after you say goodbye yeah, it's That's a four happens every single time yeah.
1: <laughs> <sighs> well good goodbye pretty good <laughs>
0: Thanks for listening to this episode. The Bipod is made possible by our patrons, including Bicon level supporters like On God
1: Gill. You can find us on Instagram at The Bipod and on our website, thebipod.com. This show is produced and edited by me, Chelsea Bergen. And our theme song is Coming Home by Snowflake.